Today, it's a special 895 Fest version of Americana One featuring our guest, Mandy Barnett. Anytime you portray someone, people will automatically put you in a, in a box. And that can, be, that can be a good thing, but it can also be very, very limiting. Day by day. Jimmy Bowen signed me when I was 12 years old, so I moved to Nashville, signed to Capitol Records. I was able to work with all those legendary musicians that I loved, and that's part of the reason why I wanted to do classic country for so long. I've always done very polished lush stuff. I've worked with the orchestras and um, strings and voices and that kind of thing. Um, even though all that stuff happened organically, a lot of times we record live, it still was very polished. I wanted this to be a little wild and wooly. Welcome to Americana One. This is Ken Paulson. We are at the 895 Fest. With a great Mandy Barnett. We're so glad to see you. Glad to see you. I, uh, I was just reminiscing that the first time I saw you on stage in Nashville was an outrageous uh, event, uh, a fundraising event. It was probably 1999 or so. Yeah. And I was just floored. It was like, who is this woman? And, of course, I've learned over the years that she's one of the finest voices, not only in Nashville but in the country. And, uh, and she has a brand-new album that a lot of people are excited about. It's called Strange Conversation. And uh, I gather you're excited about it too, Mandy. I am. It's, it was um, quite a departure for me since I'm, I've been known mostly for doing classic country. And, of course, the, most of the opportunities that, I, that I've had have been based in, in country music. So I, I was really, really tickled to to meet up with some different musicians that work with, uh, like Marco Giovino and Doug Lencio that work with John Hyatt and Robert Plant and people like that because it brought out a different side in me, uh, working with all those different musicians and singing different, different material. You know, you have a strikingly different career path because of your well, first of all, because you sing in a way that reminds people of Patsy Cline, mm-hmm. that puts you on a path that was, I'm sure, both a blessing and a curse. Absolutely. Absolutely. And any time you portray someone, people will automatically put you in, in, a, in a box. And that can, be, that can be a good thing, but it can also be very, very limiting, you know, especially when, when someone might say, well, you know, sing crazy and there's so many other so- crazy is a wonderful song but there's so many others that that i want to sing to yeah. were you when you were 16 in high school mm-hmm. what were you listening to were you was it the same top 40 the rest of us were no um i listened to a lot of oldies i listened to an oldie station mostly um 50s 60s rock and um soul and um Loved Linda Ronstadt. She was someone that I was really into at that time, but mostly, mostly the the oldies. Yeah. So, if if the Patsy Cline, if playing Patsy hadn't come along, would that still have been your path career-wise, classic country? 
Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I actually, a lot of people don't realize this, but Jimmy Bowen signed me when I was 12 years old. So I moved to Nashville, signed to Capitol Records, wow. and had been, um, well, from 12 until I graduated from high school. And then shortly after I moved here, I was dropped. So um, I was kind of flailing around trying to figure out what to do. It was just fate, I guess, that I showed up at that audition because I thought, well, I have no idea what this is. I think it's for something, some kind of show at Opryland and it would give me an opportunity to sing and, you know. Boy, what a what a rough beginning to your career at that <laughs> at that tender age to be dropped. To be dropped, yeah, because you really don't. Like now, I I don't. I'm not even sure I would blink an eye if I was dropped from something <laughs> from <laughs> something now. But at the time, it was it was devastating because uh, I'd been with them for so long, and I just moved to Nashville, so it was it was very difficult. So as your career has moved on, uh, more and more people have discovered your voice. I, I know that, I mean, you, you did a, a, a traditional country record for Crackle Bar- Cracker Barrel. And, yeah, did a couple, did a Christmas record for them too. Uh, that had to reach a lot of people. Yeah, it did. I loved uh, doing this stuff with Cracker Barrel. Uh, great people, great, great projects. Uh, I, was, I wanted to do a Christmas album. Um, and, and the other great thing about making those albums, I was able to work with all those legendary musicians that I loved. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to do classic country for so long. I loved Harold Bradley so much and I, I'd worked with his brother Owen and it was so important for me to be able to work with him as long as he was able. Pig Robbins, Pig Wade, or Pete Wade, um, Hal Rugg. Uh, Lloyd Green, Charlie McCoy, Gene Chrisman, Buddy Harmon, Billy Lineman, Jimmy Capps, people like that. And so I wanted, I, I knew that, that, that I could uh, uh, continue recording with those guys, and, and that, that was very, very important to me. I count my blessings having moved to Nashville just in time because those guys, you know, you could go to a Christmas party at BMI. Mm-hmm. And there they were, and there's there Harold leading the band, and you'd often take, you know, hit to the microphone, and um, it was a special, special era that now is kind of being documented by statues, but it's not, not the same thing at all. It's not the same, and I will say, Harold, God bless him, I mean, he, was, he went through dialysis and all kinds of problems, but we did the symphony um, three years ago, and he was undergoing, he came in a wheelchair, was un- undergoing dialysis, and played all three nights. Well, I love your story, so I've let this talking go on and held off on the music, and I don't want to make that mistake long-term here. Okay. Can we hear the title song from this new record? Yes, absolutely. It's a Ted Hawkins song, and um, it's called Strange Conversation. Dear is the one King on your throne Don't Andy Barnett has joined us here for Americana One, and we've had a chance to talk about 
her career leading up to this uh, brand new and exciting album, which is largely covers, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily household songs. How did you decide to put this together? Well, uh, Marco approached me about doing the record, Marco Giovino, and he's, he just started sending songs. And um, the first song I picked was A Cowboy's Work Is Never Done, and then It's All Right, You're Just In Love. And so from there, once I had those two songs, it was pretty easy to put everything else together. Neil Sedaka had sent um, a song to me called My World Keeps Slipping Away and said, you know, it never was a single, and I think it'd be a good song for you. So... Um, so we re- recorded that song, um, just just uh, a process of, of uh, listening to songs for a few months until we found ten. Interesting that you do a you know thoroughly contemporary record here, but kind of drawing from some legends in the past. Neil Sedaka would be a pretty good example. One of the greatest songwriters. He had a, obviously a, a good career as an artist, but his body of work from 1960 to 1980 is pretty extraordinary. It is. Let's talk about A Cowboy's Work Is Never Done, written by, well, no one ever confused Sonny Bono with Gershwin. (laughs) But written by Sonny Bono, uh, a modest hit for Sonny and Cher. Mm -hmm. What drew you to that song? Just the wackiness of it. It was so much fun. And um, I don't know, I just had, had to cut it. I wasn't exactly sure who my duet partner would be, but um, Doug said, God, it'd be great if we could get John Hyatt, and so we asked him, and he was gracious enough to do it, and I'm so lucky. It was, it's a, our voices, it, it, it's such a great contrast, and I'm, I'm really, really happy with the way it turned out. That's great. Well, uh, Hyatt has this distinctive and expressive voice, and I'm, I'm, the, the two work magically together. So we're going to hear... Right now, this uh, uh, side one from Sonny Bono's greatest hits, (laughs) (laughs) A Cowboy's Work Is Never Done. Actually, I should not be dissing Sonny Bono. He was uh, a big part of Phil Spector's career. He was in the studio, uh, and uh, he really, he really did some great things in the early days of rock and roll. I have a lesser opinion of him as a congressman, but, <laughs> but, but as a musician, we shouldn't be dissing Sonny Bono. So, um, as the album evolved, was there a conscious effort to? Was there a theme? Is there something that's running throughout all the songs, or it's just stuff Mandy likes? Well, it's stuff that I liked, but I also wanted it to be, because I've always done very polished, lush stuff. I've worked with the orchestras and um, strings and voices and that kind of thing. Um, even though all that stuff happened organically, a lot of times we record live, it still was very polished. I wanted this to be a little wild and wooly. And you've succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, it, I, I, we'll talk a little bit later with Jason Ringenberg and I'm, 
Uh, that's wild and woolly. Jason the Scorcher is wild. Yeah, wolf. absolutely. So, so to be clear, you're not that woolly. Not, not, not that quite woolly, that woolly. But woolly for me. <laughs> <laughs> we, all, we all need to know our, our woolly uh, register and <laughs> what our range is in being woolly. Right. I, uh, I want to turn now to uh, It's All Right, You're Just in Love. Mm-hmm. What, where did that song emerge from? Uh, originally by the Tams. And like I said, it was the second song. So I felt like um, that song, uh, It's All Right, and the Cowboys' work set the tone for the whole album. Uh, and of course, the McQuarries are singing the uh, backup vocals on, um, on that song, as they are uh, 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 Put a Chain on It. That's another song that they did uh, vocals on. But just um, it just had a great, great feel, reminded me a little bit of Joe South. Billy Joe Royal, that kind of that kind of vibe. A lot of the songs are in minor keys too. We must have really been been drawn to to that kind of dark sound. But um, but anyway, just just loved loved the the song. You, uh, you talked earlier about being dropped from a label at a young age, and you as well as almost anybody in the business knows the hard knocks of the business. It's, oh, yeah. And, and uh, there's no guarantees. And mm-hmm. Is it still fun for you to make an album? It's fun. My expectations are completely different. And so for me, I want to it, – it's a living, it's a life for me. I don't care anything about awards. I mean, it would be nice, but I don't I – don't, I just really want to sing, continue making albums, and I, I just don't have really high expectations. And I take rejection really well because I think <laughs> I've been dropped on my head so many times. It's sort of like, oh well, so what? Get over it. <laughs> well, that... You got dropped, or she doesn't like you. Get over it. Well, that's that's put a very... your big girl panties on and yeah. move on. Well, I mean, the reality is that. The real rewards come in front of a live audience now. Absolutely. And just creating a body of work that you can look back on and be proud of. That's what matters the most to me. You, uh, despite the challenges you had and, and sort of this trap of Patsy Cline, mm-hmm. which we mentioned is a blessing and a curse, you actually have the chops for longevity in this business. You know, you, there's nothing faddish about what you do. It's all timeless, everything you do. And right. so I would think that, I mean, that bodes well for you when you're 79 years old and, and touring older old retirement homes. Right, you, know? you never know. <laughs> you, you never know. I, it, it, it could be. Hope, I'm, I hope that I can still do it until I'm in my 70s and 80s. Well, I mentioned that because when I was a young newspaper reporter, I was assigned to go cover Rudy Valley. Oh, okay. And Rudy was 87 years old, mm-hmm. and he was—he looked 87, and he—he he seemed very tired. And I interviewed him that afternoon. That night, I go to the show. Average age in that room was 80, mm-hmm. and they were ecstatic to see him. And he was on. When that spotlight hit him, it was 1929 all over again. So, 
I have high hopes for all the people whose work I admire that they can just go on like Rudy Valley. Well, the 80-year-olds, you know, they know where to eat and they know the good music, so... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Those of you who are listening to this podcast and radio show, you go to Wikipedia, look up Rudy Valley, because I, I, <laughs> it's worth your while. He was, he was the Elvis of the late 20s. Well, we have time for one more song, and uh, I wonder if you might... Uh, is More Lovin' a good choice? More Lovin' would be great, yeah. Um, Ar- Arnold McCuller, who is um, the background singer for James Taylor and uh, works with Bonnie Raitt, great, great singer, is singing along with me. It's a Mabel John song, and um, I think it, it's the first cut on the album. It has been a real pleasure to catch up with Mandy Barnett. Let's, uh, let's play this song, and uh, it'll take us home. But uh, thank you for being at the festival. We're excited about your set, and, uh, and we love your new record. Thank you so much. Really great talking with you. I want some more loving, more loving, more loving, baby, from you. I want some more loving, more loving, more loving, baby, from you. I want some hand squeezing, so pleasing, loving, baby, just for you. That was Mandy Barnett from her brand new album. This is Ken Paulson from Americana One. Tune in again next week or check out our podcast wherever podcasts are given away free to the general public. Thanks for listening. Our thanks to Erica Nalo for her always sterling production and to Dave Paulson for writing the theme music. This is Americana One.